What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. This is Alexander Watkins, author of Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello, and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the marketing book podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on, they are recorded during the cocktail hour. And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. So, Alexandra Watkins, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Thank you. It's so nice to be sequestered here with you, Doug. (laughs) The pleasure's all mine. And in a show of total transparency, um, we've been talking to each other a lot this week, and here's why. And this is why Alexandra Watkins will win the uh, most patient person in the world. After, I don't know, maybe almost 300 interviews, I interviewed Alexandra a few days ago, and she sounded great, but apparently I, my side wasn't recording. And I think a lot of listeners would say, Douglas, that's really not a problem. Uh, we we want to hear her anyway. So I had to go back uh, you know, on bended knee and say, Alexandra, is there any chance we could have another conversation? And Alexandra Watkins, always the trooper, said, yes, Douglas. Oh, gee, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. She, she couldn't have been nicer. And uh, so once again... I am uh, drinking a mint julep because I'm here in Virginia and because Alexandra Watkins has been so sweet as to uh, be able to let me interview her uh, a second time. Well, actually, this will be the third time. So, Because I interviewed you the first time about your book, Hello, My Name is Awesome, which is probably the best uh, book title. And then it was also very, well, it is a very, very funny book. And as I... Mentioned in the interview I did with you about the book, it's one of two books where I was flying in a plane, reading the book, and burst out laughing, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing. It was so funny, and you know, it really kind of bothered the other passengers on the plane, and that's significant because it's kind of loud in those planes. But yet, they uh, they they saw me doing that, and I just want to mention a couple of things about Alexandra Watkins. Okay, who is Alexandra Watkins? She is the chief executive boss lady of a naming consultancy in California called Eat My Words. (laughs) And she got started uh, when The Gap hired her to create some cheeky names for their first line of body care products. 
And then she went to work for Lander, which is one of the biggest branding firms in the world. And she then has gone on to generate thousands of names for snacks, software, sunscreen, social networking, sites, sportwear, shoes, sugar, scrubs, serums, and seafood. And yes, that's just the S's. Anyway, she's named a lot of things that make you fat and drunk. But this is what's interesting. All she was, you were, she was originally in the um, San Francisco area and she worked at ad agencies like Ogilvy, Ogilvy and Mather. And she even helped launch Microsoft Windows. And I'm not sure if that's a something that people would like you for or not. But then uh, you kind of rode the uh, dot-com gravy train until it crashed. <laughs> and then you just went around the world, sort of eating your way around the world. And Talk talk a bit about that. All the places you, you you like eating things, but you're not necessarily a foodie. Is that right? That's right. I am. I have been to fifty countries, and no, I'm not. You know, in search of the very best. You know, truffle in the world. I like to have adventures when I travel. So, in some of my uh, travels around the world, I have eaten barbecued squirrel with the Hazabi Bushman deep in the bush of Tanzania. I have eaten a stewed camel meat in Libya. Does it taste like chicken? <laughs> no, it, no, it doesn't. It, it tastes, it, it doesn't taste like, it tastes like you would think stewed camel meat would taste like, but I actually something, one of the best meals I've ever had was at a gas station in Libya and it was lamb chops that were out of this world. Oh, wow. And also in New Zealand, one time I was at a rugby game and I ate, ate a hot dog and it was made with lamb, like a lamb hot dog. It was so good. Mm. So yeah, I've eaten some strange things. I, um, yeah, but I, uh, my favorite food in the world is Jif peanut butter and I <laughs> yeah I'm not a food snob by any means of the imagination like uh, if it comes out of a vending machine chances are I I want to eat it oh wow well that's great well listen you know the the drama starts to unfold uh, amongst the different guests I've had on the marketing book podcast and there have been uh, over 200 of them that I've had the opportunity to interview and so in Yesterday's uh, interview episode, I interviewed a guy named Stu Heineck. Okay, so he's up in the Pacific Northwest. You're in San Diego. He's written books about contact marketing, how to get the meeting, lots of fun. And it turns out um, you all knew each other. Yes, we do. Stu and I go way, way back. Stu, I've known Stu for 35 years. So yeah, we go far, far back. And I have always been a fan of Stu's. He actually included me in his first book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. I have a very clever technique for getting a meeting with people. And uh, Stu and I have kept in touch. And both of our books were shortlisted for the uh, the the Owl Award last year in sales and marketing category. Owl stands for Outstanding Works of Literature, which I think is hilarious because I don't think there's any other works of literature that use the phrase amalgamated clusterfuck. But I did use that phrase in my book, and uh, hey, someone called it literature and gave it 
an award. Well, and now is it true that you all were an item at one time and, and he drove well, a, he drove a Ferrari? <laughs> all right. Hey, you brought it up. Yes. I dated Stu when I was twenty one and he did drive a red Ferrari at the time. Yep. And that's yeah. that's uh did I mean was that part of the appeal or, or and and did you all meet like at a grocery store or something? Yeah. Well, I knew him. We belonged to the same professional organization. So I knew him from there. He had probably been a speaker and I ran into him at Safeway. And I was slightly horrified. I didn't have on any makeup, which I I don't even wear makeup right now. But at the time, I just felt like, oh, now I know why women don't leave the house without makeup on. Because you could run into a a guy you want to (laughs) date. So, yeah. No, I don't even think I knew if Stu drove a Ferrari when I met him. Oh, sure. (laughs) Hey, in LA, in LA, that's you know pretty commonplace. But no, I of course I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Oh yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of both, and you're both very creative, and you both have phenomenal books. So the, clearly there was something going along, uh, you know, all all these times. So you know you were uh, kindred spirits. So now you're in San Diego, sheltering at home. You're probably in your pool house right now. Yes, and yes. Is it true that if you're in San Diego, it's required by law to own a pool? <laughs> uh, it, mo- a lot of people here have pools, but I live by the beach and not a lot of people that live by the beach have a pool. Oh. Uh, so because not there's not a lot of land by the beach, you know, people have little postage sized yards because, you know, Everyone wants to live by the beach. But yeah, I'm really lucky that I do have a pool. And this is my Barbie dream house. Oh, man. And it's all the... Talk about the colors at your your place there. Well, I painted... I painted the back of our house. The front of our house looks a little stately. And the back of the house, uh, we painted pink because the colors of Eat My Word are eat my words are pink and you would never know that this house is pink if you were walking by and we could have painted the whole house pink but I didn't want to be that house where someone (laughs) said oh and we know all of our neighbors and we meet a lot of people if someone said oh where do you live and I said oh we live on Venice and Niagara oh you live in the pink house oh I know your house like I didn't want to be that house so people are really surprised when they come and they walk into our backyard. It's, yeah, full-on blast of color. You know, it's pink. We've got a big surfboard fence with, gosh, almost 30 surfboards. There's a tiki bar. There's a big pool with uh, two giant pink flamingos floating around in there, rubber ducks. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Wow. Boy, it'd be great to have uh, pictures of that. Is the, is, the, is the fence made out of surfboards? It's a bamboo fence that's eight feet high and it's lined with surfboards. And a lot of the surfboards have been repainted. Uh, I got them all donated by neighbors. As you can can imagine, a lot of people around here surf. And I just asked for people to contribute to our backyard art project. And that's how I got a bunch of boards. Wow. And and then I just hired an artist to paint some of them. And now uh, people love to come over here. It's like this museum of surfboards. Yeah, I'm checking flights to San Diego right now. They're really cheap. (laughs) They're really cheap. (laughs) Right. So let me ask you something. You're a naming expert. Uh, 
If I could get pictures of those and put them on your show notes, I'm thinking about buying the domain name marketingbookcocktails.com to oh, send love it. Do you? Okay. Then yeah. that's done. I'm buying it right now. And then I'll uh, people can go there and then they'll find your uh, your show notes and I'll include pictures of the fence and anything else you can you can share. And if if we play our cards right, is there any chance I could get a picture of your fridge in the pool room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a a pink fridge, a 1950s pink retro refrigerator that I use as a bookcase. And no one ever knows what's inside when I tell them, oh, you have to open the pink fridge. They're always scared to open it. But yeah, there's everyone's surprised to find it's full of, of books and not snakes. <laughs> Or cocktails, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's, the, the, yeah, it's full of books. In fact, I'm sure it's full of books by a lot of authors you've had on your show. Well, but yeah, there's no cocktails in there. People, people, the number one thing people guess is in there is beer. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yes, and uh, I think you said, uh, yeah, there have been some authors that I've been able to interview, like Nir Eyal, who has, yeah. uh, he, he's stopped by, and uh, he's written uh, two phenomenal books Boy, you know, he's one of those authors where whenever he does come out with another book, just go ahead and set it up so it automatically is purchased and comes to you. Because <laughs> he doesn't crank oh, one yeah. out every year, but when he does one, my goodness, he wrote Hooked and he wrote Indistractable. Hooked is about how companies make their products addictive. And so naturally, it's uh, a lot of uh, software like Facebook and, and other places come to mind. And he said that in Silicon Valley, you know, all those executives there know about it but that book hooked is on every executive's bookshelf and then the the more recent book is indistractable where he talks about the superpower of the 21st century is your ability to keep from being distracted because it's so easy to become distracted now so at any rate well has the pandemic really changed much or are you able to do a lot of the work uh, remotely or virtually anyway well, I was already working from home out of my pool house, so nothing's changed there. What has, I wasn't booked to speak at any conferences, and I'm not until September, and there's a chance that could go virtual, but I've been paid, so uh, I'm, good. <laughs> I'm good either way. I'm good either way. Wait, hey, I have to just uh, briefly say, talk about Near Eyal. So Near... Nir is on, Nir and I get booked on a lot of the same shows and I know him and I did a show earlier today called uh, the Leadership and Loyalty Prod Podcast with Dov Barron mm -hmm. and I knew that he was probably going to ask me a question about what I'm obsessed with lately and I am obs I am obsessively make anagrams of people's names. I haven't done your name for some reason. I think, oh no, you know what? I did. I tried to do your name earlier, but it had something about drugs in it. So I didn't want to read it on air, but. That's yeah, a bad your name, thing? No. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to, I'll tell you what it is really quick. Okay. But while we're doing that, I'll tell you. So uh, near Eyal, I anagrammed. Near Eyal only has seven letters in it. So I added a word to his name, the name of his new book, Indistractable. And I came up with some really funny anagrams. And so, as you know, like you said, his book is all about mastering the skill of the century, not being distracted. And the first anagram I came up with for his name is 
is the target audience for his book or the mindset that they're in before they read it, which is, which is, um, I ideally in scatterbrain. <laughs> like how crazy is that? And then the other one is for near AL is what I would name his 365 days a year calendar. You know, the, those little tear off calendars. Yeah. And that is a scatterbrain daily line. Scatterbrain. So daily line is the anagram. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no near. Oh no. Near all indistractable. Put it in a blender and oh, it spits okay. out, spits out scatterbrain daily line or ideally in scatterbrain. Okay. So, uh, just a reminder for folks, an anagram is a word, phrase, or name formed by rearranging the letters of another, such as cinema, formed from Iceman. And speaking of that, in your book, it talks about how the game of Scrabble comes to mind. And I recall in your book, it said uh, something about too many companies have names that look like the results of drunken sca- Scrabble games. <laughs> What's going on there, and is that a good idea? Well, no, it's not. Oh, by the way, uh, you're so the anagram for Douglas Burdett is is a weird. It's weird. It's um subtotaled drug. Subtotaled drug. Subtotaled ed drug. drug. Subtotaled drug. Yeah. Drugged. Or drudge subtotal. <laughs> subtotal drug or drudge like drudge report subtotal. Okay, because I'm buying both on GoDaddy right now. Okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, a lot of names, a lot of uh, companies, yeah, they their names do look like they were put in a blender, but nothing good came out. And that's the result of companies thinking it's really important that they own the exact match domain name. So there's just this big race to find an available domain name and everyone starts in the wrong place, which is on GoDaddy looking for a domain name that's available and they get so caught up in, Oh my gosh, you know, uh, Zobni X O B N I worst name ever is available for nine ninety five. Let's do it. And it, and that's Zobni is a great example of a name that they, the, the founders fell in love with it, not realizing like nobody would know that Zobni was inbox spelled backwards. Right, that's spelled X O B N I. <laughs> right. But if I had said to you, hey, Doug, how do you think you spell Zobni? You would not spell it X O B N I. No, no, I would lose that spelling B. Yeah. Well, they lost the spelling bee, so they're actually no longer in business. <laughs> okay, so I can just imagine so many folks, like, like you know, just what I said earlier. I said, uh, marketing book cocktails is available. Okay, now, we're recording this now, but by the time it publishes, I will own that domain. So don't be going trying to do crazy things, people, okay? <laughs> now, however... I knew who I was talking to, so I'm being very careful about this. But I can just imagine people sitting in a conference room, and they come up with these different names. And the first thing someone says is, well, see if the domain's available. See if the domain's available. And in your book, you talk about how, you know, a lot of the domain names, they're just not available anymore. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, talk about uh, what companies should do and... Uh, give an example of these little known companies like Tesla and Facebook. Okay, well, one thing 
to do is is just get over this idea that you have to own the domain name and start thinking about a modifier that you could work with. For instance, the first 13 years that Tesla was in business, their domain name was teslamotors.com. A way to think about this when you're going through this exercise is because it's it's going to be hard because you've been so conditioned to know I have to have that exact domain name. You don't. And think about this. If you had wanted, so up until a couple years ago, Tesla was at Tesla Motors. And if you had gone to Tesla Motors, to tesla.com online, you would have been greeted with a very ominous looking web page that says, said this site is owned by GandhiNet. What would you have done? Would you have given up? Would you have not wanted to buy a Tesla because they didn't own the domain name? Would you not trust the company? No, it's just ridiculous. So think about that. The next time you're really struggling with, no, but I have to have it. Hey, you don't. And, uh, Facebook was the Facebook up until 2005. You know, look at Square, Square Up. Dropbox was Dropbox HQ or Get Dropbox, sorry, uh, Get Dropbox. Basecamp was Basecamp HQ. Both Basecamp and Dropbox had millions of users. They were still using those domain name modifiers in their domain name. And they, all those companies eventually bought the exact match domain name because they could, but there's no need to do that. So think about adding a ver- adding a, a, a initial word, a prefix, add a suffix. Uh, adding a word can actually increase your search engine optimization. My company is eatmywords.com, but if I couldn't get that, I could be eat my words brand names or eat my words naming, eat my words branding. And that that extra word or two would actually help me in my search engine marketing and optimization. So think of it that way too. And then something else you could do is you can get really creative. And instead of having that name, have a phrase that doesn't even have your name in it. And an example is... There's a a turkey company that sells smoked turkeys. It's, you know, gift turkeys. And their name is Greenberg Smoked Turkeys. And, you know, not a particularly, you know, clever name, good name. Greenberg could be tricky to spell. And their domain name is unforgettable. It's gobblegobble.com. Oh, mic drop. And another one that I love is it's a peanut butter company and they're called Peanut Butter and Co. And that's their domain name, peanutbutterandco.com. Not particularly clever, but their domain name, especially for someone that loves peanut butter, also unforgettable, is ilovepeanutbutter.com. And that brings to mind the Jay Bear book about talk triggers. Just those domain names gets people talking about them and puts a smile on their face. And I know uh, smiles are important. And in your book, you have, well, it's not the um, scratch and sniff, okay? It's It's, a smile and scratch. It's smile and scratch, (laughs) okay? Just... I want the listener to understand it's, you know, it's, oh, okay, okay. it's several levels above, you know, where I am. And smile are the things, as I recall, that, because, uh, I mean, I read the book months ago, and now I'm drinking a mint julep, and, uh, <laughs> you know. So 
I smile are the things that what makes for a great uh, product name. And we're not going to go through all those. But the scratch are all the more or less the landmines, all the things that go wrong with uh, names. Is that right? Yes. So SMILE is an acronym for the five qualities that you ideally want in your name. And SCRATCH is the acronym for when to scratch it off the list because it makes you scratch your head. Right. So SMILE is, for those playing the home game, it's uh, suggestive, memorable uh, imagery, Mm -hmm. uh, legs, and emotional. Okay. Correct. Now, Scratch, though. I want you to talk. You don't have to go through everyone, but what are some of the things that really just torpedo these names? Now, you mentioned, you mentioned one, which is where they start with uh, GoDaddy. Right. Well, Zobni. Zobni is kind of the epitome of the, like, it checks every box uh, as far as a Scratch name. But I'll tell you some of the more important letters in Scratch. I mean, I would say all of these are deal breakers, but some of the more common ones that people get wrong are the essence scratch stands for spelling challenge. If your name looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. It will be a problem. (laughs) You've got like uh, peer reviewed research that can confirm that as I understand it. Well, Hey, we all have research. Uh, Look at, look at all of our names, right? So your last name, people, people misspell your, must misspell your last name incorrectly once in a while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if we look at our own names, and this is the best way to think about a name, think of your own name, your first name, your last name, maybe, maybe even the street that you live on, right? Or the, the town that you live in. Anytime you have to spell it out for someone, it's painful, right? Or they, they butcher it and get it wrong. That's the worst, right? Mm-hmm. And it, so it, if you are having to constantly spell your name for someone or you're constantly having to explain it, mm. like anytime, you, anytime you have to explain it, help people spell it or, it's, or uh, help them pronounce it, you're essentially apologizing for it and that will devalue your brand. Absolutely. So, okay. So the first place somebody should go to is not GoDaddy. Okay. Got that. But Alexander Watkins, come on, be real. They should then do focus group testing, right? No. (laughs) No, don't. How many people should be involved? Okay. Okay. Well, you and you, not you, Doug Burdett, but but you, the you, dear reader, listener, uh, read my book, and you will have all the tools you need to evaluate your name objectively with the smile and scratch test. But the second you start asking people, "Hey, what do you think of this name?" That's not what they hear. What they hear is, "What don't you like about this name?" Right? Come on. <laughs> Anytime we're asked for our opinion, of course we want to give it. Like, what makes that person? an expert on naming things. They're not. Well, because they've been hired to sit in a focus group so we can listen to them. (laughs) I spent the first part of my advertising career sitting behind these uh, focus group windows and certain times, mirrors, I should say, and certain times there were insights that came out. But otherwise, I watched uh, too often these people just uh, completely destroy something and it wasn't terribly insightful. So, Instead of doing a focus group, buying a pizza for everybody to 
brainstorm the the product or the service name idea. And I should add that almost every marketer I've ever known who's been uh, working in you know the, that line of work, they've all been involved in some sort of name idea. They think they're not going to be, but there's like products and services and even conference rooms, you know, whatever they could be naming. So instead, um, how many people should be with you when you start on your uh, name research uh, journey? Well, when you're starting to, whether you're, you know, focus grouping a name, you can objectively test a name and the strength of a name just by running it through, through the test. But as far as brainstorming names, same thing. Don't try to brainstorm names with a group of people. Your, you know, ideas get shot down. Uh, often what happens is the extroverts over- overpower people that might not be extroverted. And there's all kinds of strange group dynamics that go on. Don't do that. Like use the tools in my book. I, I give away tons of tools where you can just use your computer. I give you a bunch of different websites and ideas to go to. What's so funny? Well, did, you gave away so much in the book. I'm just wondering if your business dropped off because you <laughs> you shared all the tools and then you shared you even shared like how to go about presenting it. And I'm just, <laughs> just wondering like. I don't know, probably a lot of people read that. You know, it brings to mind this uh, guy, Marcus Sheridan. He wrote a book called They Ask You Answer. He had a pool company and started to go under in the 2008 uh, real estate crash. So almost out of money, almost about to lose his house and declare bankruptcy. He said, you know, I'm just going to start answering questions and, you know, teaching people. So I remember he had a video on YouTube and it was, hi, I'm Marcus Sheridan. This is how you winterize a pool. Okay. And it was like a, maybe a 10 minute, you know, video shot on an iPhone showing these are the steps you have to go through and why. Well, what happened was <laughs> the phone started ringing off the hook because everyone was watching the video saying, oh, that's really good. That's really helpful. Great. Now, can you come and do that for me? Yeah, you do it. You do it. Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened with the book. And and yet, of course, there was that fear when I wrote it of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose. I'm going to just cannibalize my business because everyone will do this themselves. But that didn't happen. And what I what I uh, like to think of as an analogy to it is, look, anyone can read a cookbook, right? Like I can buy a cookbook, I can read it, but I'm never going to, I'm never going to, I'm probably never going to make the recipe and I definitely will never make it as good as a chef, right? And sometimes you just want somebody else to do it for you. That's why we go out to dinner. So with the, the names, yeah, people can use the tools in my book and come up with names on their own. That's fine. And a lot of people do, but Every single person that hires my company or every single company, someone has read my book and that's how they've found us. Right. You see how yeah, it works, folks? Like, yeah, like, you know what? I tried it. These tools are great. Um, but yeah, no, you do it. <laughs> right. And that's why I say teaching is the new pitching. Now, as far as teaching uh Alexander Watkins and I got to I got to be honest with you I'm already finished with this uh, mint julep and I'm ready for another one and just to make sure people understand it do you hear that do you hear that mm. delish and you know I feel good knowing that the bourbon in that drink is is staying here in the USA you know it's made in America but I don't you know I don't want to be taken away from our friends in you know, Russia who are making the vodka or, or you know, the, the really special people in uh, Scotland who make that uh, single malt scotch. 
But in your book, so we're going to wrap this up soon because uh, Alexandra is just not going to suffer through another one of these interviews. But, you know, people say to me, Douglas Burdett, uh, why do you do this podcast? And I said, well, it's because of the things I learn when I read these books. And when I read your book, I learned about things like when you produce a product that is sold internationally, you might want to check with somebody in each country to make sure it works uh, there and there's not some sort of misunderstanding. And that's where I learned about a toothpaste uh, from Colgate and they called it Q, C-U-E. And what I didn't know, and this is what I learned in these books, listeners, (laughs) is that... Excuse me? I'm sorry. Like you're I'm glad my book enlightened you to this fact that you're about to share with everyone. Thank you. And so this CUE is the name of a notorious pornography magazine in France. You know, I didn't know that. So, you know, I guess the lesson is that I, I learned, but what what should companies do? Uh, when they're launching something internationally to make sure they're not maybe naming their product after notorious French magazines? Well, you definitely want to engage the the services of a company that specializes in those translation services. And uh, if you drop me an email, alexandra at eatmywords.com, I can give you a name or two of a company that does that. But I that reminds me that... I don't know if I, I think I put this in the book that there's this legendary tale of, of the Chevy Nova and how it was launched in, in Latin America or Latin American countries. And it just failed because Nova translates in Spanish to won't go. Well, that is simply not a true story. It's a lie, and you can look it up on Snopes.com to read the whole story. But in a nutshell, yeah, Nova translates, if you split it in half, Nova means won't go, but it's Nova. And already in Mexico, Pemex, the big gasoline company in Mexico, had a gasoline called Nova. Do you think they would have had a gasoline called Nova if it meant won't go, like if that's how people would see it? And saying that Nova would be seen as won't go is the same as seeing a dinette set for sale in a furniture store called Notable and saying, oh, no, Notable? No, no table? Right? I want a table. No, no. (laughs) There's no table, though. It's Notable. It's no table, right? And look at how differently Notable versus no table, right? Like you say them completely differently. So that story is really interesting, but it just, it it was kind of a joke. And somehow that joke, it, that would be like saying that Fiat really does stand for fix it again, Tony. Somehow this little story became like truth. And the, even the story goes further to say that, well, after they changed the name of Nova and they rebranded it, the Carib sales skyrocketed. Well, that didn't happen either. The Carib wasn't even a, a car launched by Chevy. It was a Volkswagen. Chevy never changed the name of Nova. So, yeah, it's funny, but that story of the Chevy Nova has been printed in Thousands and thousands of marketing books have have like spewed that story as if it's gospel. You know, 
I had always believed that. And I think I remember 25 years ago reading about that. And only in your book did I get the real news. Okay. It wasn't fake news. But speaking of misunderstanding, what happened? What went wrong in terms of uh, naming and domain names with this company? I'm looking at their website right now, and there will be a link to it in marketingbookcocktails.com. See, see what I'm doing? And it's this company in uh, Bonita Beach, Florida, which sounds like a very pretty place, and it's called the Master uh, Bait and Tackle Shop. And their slogan is, you can't beat our bait. And then it says, we are stiff competition. What, what went wrong for these folks, Alexandra? Why don't you say what the domain name is? Because I think that you really like it. I do. I do. It, it speaks to me on my 13-year-old maturity level. It's masturbateonline.com. And that's spelled <laughs> B-A-I-T, okay? All right, so... What what went wrong there? <laughs> okay. Well, I used to think it went wrong that they didn't look ahead and merge the words together to see that masturbate and tackle would spell masturbate just in a different way. But now that you read me the look what their their little tagline that they have and something about being stiff. I've done extensive yeah. research on their website today, right, getting okay. ready for this I interview. Think, I think that was probably intentional. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe they're leaning into that. Um, or right, or right, or maybe in hindsight they're like, you know what? Let's just own it. Let's go with it. But one company that didn't. There's a number of these. They're called slurls, like like slur plus you know URL. And one of my favorites. It's a uh, American scrap American scrap metal. <laughs> and American is just, you. You're very fast. Uh, American. American, very what? You're very fast. American scrap metal is American's crap metal. Well, it depends on your point of view, I think. <laughs> There's been some really good ones, though. Some other favorites. Uh, one is, um, this is really bad. It's molestation nursery is molestation nursery. How did I forget I, that one? I, I don't know. Don't take your kids there. And then the other, another one. Oh, Penn Island is penis land. Listener, I'm just going to let you go ahead and start making up your own jokes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I'm going to have to put one of those, uh, adult, uh, you know, uh, content markers for this particular episode. No, I'm not. I'm not. This has been very, very clean. So I appreciate that. Alexander Watkins, I really appreciate the opportunity to interview you yet a third time. And uh, I would encourage folks to uh, check out your show notes, check out Eat My Words. And before we go, can you please tell them about two things? One is the uh, evaluation that you'll do for folks on their brand name idea and also this um, online learning that you've got going on. Yeah, well, you can get, you can evaluate your name for free on my website, eatmywords.com. The smile and scratch test is on there and it's interactive. So you can just put your name in and just start clicking through the test and it will show you your name and ask you questions about it. And you self-select the answers and along the way you will learn a lot. And that's fun. And at the end, you will get an answer that tells you if your name is okay or if it sucks. And um, my my 
a class, I'm putting together a course on how to create awesome names. And it's kind of always been, I don't want to say a dream of mine, but it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. And now that we're all stuck at home without a lot to do, I am going to develop this class course and I've been working a lot on it and it's such a blast. It is going to be fun. It's like my book on steroids and I have lots and lots of fun examples. And for anyone who's ever seen me speak, you know, I have really sexy slides and fun presentations and that's what this class is going to be like. So I'm, I'm excited to launch that and hopefully that will be done sometime in May. Excellent. And if folks go there, can they sign up for something where they can get notified when this comes out? Um, yeah, I would say just go to, I haven't put anything up online yet, but yeah, drop me an email, alexandra at eatmywords.com. So what we're saying, listener, is you heard it here first. Okay. So breaking news, I think. Uh, I, I think I could say that. Please don't disagree with me, Alexandra. Okay. So <laughs> Alexandra Watkins, uh, author of Hello, My Name is Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. All right, everybody. Last call.